How's everybody doing? Are you blessed and highly favored? Say, I'm blessed coming in, and I'm blessed going out. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, it's so good to see everyone. In a minute, I'll see you better because the house lights will come up. I know they will. Any second. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's so good to have all of you here in the house of the Lord. How many came ready to receive something from Jesus? And I know that you already have. How many's already been blessed? Um, I do want to uh, thank you for the Heart for the House. Uh, we did four weeks on ministering the Heart for the House, and so many of you gave significant seeds to God's house, and I know there's many of you who are still praying, and your part to play in your significant seed, and what I was super blessed about was there was many that came in and said, I'm going to honor God with my tithe this year. What better thing can you have, amen, is, is just say, I'm going to trust God with my tithe, and I am I'm just super excited about that because, like my dad said, you'll be so blessed um, when you honor God with your tithe. And so thank you for the last four weeks. And I'm believing God to not only bless this house, which he is, as to continue to bless your house. Amen. I just want to uh, acknowledge tomorrow, ladies, we kick off our Faith Sisters Bible study at 10 a.m. And my mom is going to be doing six weeks. And she's a fireball, woman of God, battle scars, faithful, and so she's going to be pouring into us. So if you can make it out uh, on Mondays, we'd love to have you. Even if you can only make it for a couple, that's okay. Come on out for a couple and be blessed. And then also one more thing is we have our welcome home class next Sunday. We offer welcome home class every month now so that if you've been coming to Faith Builders for a little bit, we want you to know a little bit more about us and the part that you play in the house of God. Amen? So it's a one, it's a fun of 50-minute class on 9 o'clock next Sunday. Sign up for that. Learn about where our church came from and where we're going. Amen? All right. Well, I'm going to get to my message. Are you ready? Hallelujah. My title this morning is called Walk Away. It's time to walk away. Say walk away. Walk away. I believe um, that God is bringing divine alignment to his church and I mean the big church, to his people. He's aligning our hearts back to kingdom purpose. He's aligning our hearts with conviction, Holy Spirit conviction. Um, he's calling us to true repentance. Do you know before there's any great revival, there's the heart of repentance. And I believe God is bringing his church back to because the world is speaking so loud that we can live comfortable and we can behave any way that we want and we can still love Jesus. But we got to go to what the word of God says and we got to get back to the truth of God's word. Amen. And so I believe he's calling us to repentance in God's house. I, I would love a church that people aren't comfortable in their sin that aren't comfortable in their compromise. I, I wouldn't want a church where you just feel so good and cozy and never walk away and the Holy Spirit's not talking to you. Because the Holy Spirit talks to me. He convicts me. He troubles my heart for the things that trouble him. And my prayer is that your heart will be troubled for the things of God. And the reason why is not just for you to be troubled, but God wants to bring you somewhere. He wants to bring you to a, a place of blessing. He wants to bring you to a place of your desires fulfilled. The things that you've been praying for, he wants to bring you to that place. But my message is today is sometimes you got to walk away from some things to get to where God wants to bring you. See, I'm going to walk away. 
we're going to walk away. So we're going to look at the birth. Also, one more thing. I believe God wants to provoke uh, your callings on the inside of you. I think the church has been lulled to sleep. There's some gifts and callings in you. There's some passions in you. There should be a hunger to win the loss to Jesus. There, we talked about it the first four weeks of the year, a hunger for God's house, a zeal for God's house. And I think God wants to wake us up. He wants to awaken our hearts for kingdom things once again. So we're going to look at the book of Ruth today. And as my dad said, next Sunday, he'll be here. And so we'll continue on in a couple weeks, but we're going to look at Ruth. And it was a story of a, a few women and a family uh, that God's hand was upon. And, you know, sometimes there's stories in the Bible that there's like a supernatural move of God, like the parting of the Red Sea, right? There's the, the striking the rock and the water comes out. There's miraculous that happens. And in the book of Ruth, you don't see the miraculous and the supernatural in one big way. But we're going to look at it as some things where you see God's presence in this story. And you see God's power in this story. And most of all, you see God's protective care. Because God's always trying to get you to a place of provision. He's always trying to get you to a place where you're blessed and take you from Egypt into the promised land. Amen. So I believe that today's message is going to touch many of us in different ways. It may speak to you if you're hurting or you're discouraged about some things in your life. Maybe there's areas where you're losing some hope. You know, you've been trusting God in some really special ways, and you're believing God for some miracles, and you've not seen them come to pass, and we can grow weary while we're waiting for God. Has anybody ever been there before? <laughs> We've all been there. You know, maybe you feel stuck today. You know, when, if you've been serving God a certain amount of time, sometimes you can just feel stuck. And you just can't find that gumph, that giddy-up, you know, that passion to get up and, and do what God's called you to do. I believe this message is going to be for you today. And maybe you've just lost your way. You know, sometimes serving God, you can just lose your way. That you just kind of go through the rigmarole, the 24-7, getting up, going to work. I come to church. I may serve, greet at the door, but I've really lost my spiritual way. And I believe God wants you to find your way back to his purposes and back to his plan. So we're going to look at Judges 21, verse 25. And it's a setup of leading us into the book of Ruth. But I, I really believe this speaks to where we're at today. And it says in uh, Judges 21, 25, in those days... Israel had no king. That means there was no ruler. There was no authority. And all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. If I ever believe we're living in a time of this scripture verse, it's right now. And it's because we've lost the kingdom authority. We've lost the kingship of God being Lord in our life. And we're finding ourselves doing what's right in our own eyes. Do you know how many mistakes I have and could make by doing what I feel is right in my own heart? doing what my emotions would want me to do, being led by our flesh. And we're going to show that today that it's so important that you stay connected to the Lord and his purposes for your life because your emotions will always lead you astray. They will always cause you to make mistakes. So they were doing what was right in their own eyes. And I think sometimes when we do what's right in our own eyes, it's, it's not that we mean to do wrong. We're trying to make decisions, but we don't stop long enough to see what the Lord says about those decisions. We get in our emotions. So let's look at Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. In, those, in the days when the judges ruled, there was no kings, right? We just established that. There was a famine 
in the land. There was lack or there was hunger. So what are we going to see here in this story? We find a family living in Bethlehem, and there was a famine in the land. And this family just wanted to make a move to go somewhere where their family could eat. So a man from Bethlehem in Judea, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. So what do we see? They lived in Bethlehem. They moved to Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. Say Elimelech. It's just kind of cool to say, isn't it? If you say it really fast, it becomes a song. Elimelech, Elimelech, Elimelech. You know what I'm talking? In the jungle, a mighty jungle. Okay. So there was a man named Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi. And the name of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were the Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. So let's look at a few of these characters. I'm going to set up our story today. Okay, are you ready? So we're going to talk about Elimelech. His name means this, my God is king. What a good name to have, amen. My God is king. Then we've got Naomi, and her name means sweet or pleasant. Now, they have two sons, and in the Bible days when they would name their sons, they would name them either prophetically by what they see in their life, or they would name them by the visual of their birth or their situation. So these particular sons, Malon, his name was Sick, so he probably was born maybe sick and not feeling well, and Kilion, his name was Tired. So when they would introduce their family, they would say, meet sick and tired. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had to say that. <laughs> Right? So we see this family here. So there's a, there's a famine going on. Now listen, famine, you're, you're craving something. You're missing something. You're hungry. So when you're going without a desire, you quickly want to fulfill that desire, don't you? So we've got Elimelech who says, I'm worried about my family, so I'm going to take them from Bethlehem, which actually means uh, the house of bread. It's the place where they are fed spiritually by God. But he says, I'm not seeing what I need here, so I'm going to take my family to Moab that maybe is prosperous, that maybe is blessed, right? But if you read the history of Moab, God did forbid the, his people to go to Moab. Now, if you'll put the map up there, Titus, I mean, yeah, um, April, you'll see that they were living in, let me look this way, they were living in Bethlehem, right, was the, the house of bread, and they took their family, and they relocated them down to Moab, which is about 15 miles from where they lived. While they were walking, it was probably anywhere from 12 and a half hours to 16 hours. That doesn't seem too bad, does it? If I was walking it, it probably would be. So he took his family and he relocated him to a place that he felt was best for his family. But Moab was a place that the children were not supposed to go. God forbid it. So let me tell you why. In the book of Numbers, um, the descendants of Moabites was Moab. And in Genesis 19, it says that Lot's daughters, I mean, just Lot's daughters slept with their, their father. They got him drunk, and they produced a child named Moab, which was conceived out of incest. So you can see the story is already starting off pretty bad. You can see why God wouldn't want his children to blend with Moab, right? So if you look at Moab, they were cursed. They were in ruins, and the plateaus, the high places, were brought low. God didn't want his people to mix or dwell in a place where there's ruins, 
where it's cursed, where it's not blessed, right? They served a god called Chemosh, and they would actually sacrifice children to this idol. The king would sacrifice his own children to this idol, so he felt he would get advancements into the kingdom, or into battle, I'm sorry. And so when I'm looking at this story, there's a forbidden place that God says, I don't want my children to be. You're in Bethlehem where I've called you blessed, but you may not see my hand yet. But you're looking at what you think is blessed, and we want to get to that place. And it reminded me in the Garden of Eden where there was two trees God put in the garden. And he told them, you can eat of the tree of life and all the other trees, but don't eat of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because there's things God didn't want, does not want you to experience by knowing good and evil. We were never created to know pain. You were never created to know disappointment. You were never created to know rejection or abandonment. God tried to protect that at the very beginning. And so when, when they were trying to go from the blessed place to Moab, there was a place that God says, I've not called you there. It may look good. And it may sparkle, and it may satisfy your flesh in the moment, but he only know when you get there, it's going to bring ruin to you. It's going to bring disappointment to you. It's going to bring rejection to you. We're going to get there, amen? Says this, what did God think about Moab? Let's look at Psalm 60, verse 8. Says this, Moab is my wash basin. It means it's a place that he'd wash his feet with. There's a place of Moab that God says, I don't want you there. It's a dirty place. It's an unclean place. It may look glamorous, but that's not where I've called you to be. You know, Hebrews 11.25 says this, and this isn't just about sin today. It's about getting out of the will of God. But Hebrews 11.25 says that you enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. See, there are places that we go to in Moab that feel good for the moment, they feel satisfying. They feel pleasurable. They, they give that instant gratification, but it only ends up in ruin. It only ends up in disaster, amen? So what do we see? Elimelech took his family from Bethlehem, the house of bread, to a place that God said, don't go. I believe God is speaking to his church in this hour, the Holy Spirit saying, don't go to some places. Don't do some things. We need to listen to that still small voice and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not just talking sin, even though there are some things we need to deal with with sin. But I'm talking about things that get us out of the will of God. Because the will of God is the most important place you will ever be. The will of God is Bethlehem. And sometimes, and my dad even said it today, the will of God has problems and it has struggles and, and we need faith in the will of God sometimes. But God wants us to dwell there because that's where he sees us, is in Bethlehem. So you look at Elimelech, let's go back to his name meant my God is king. What a powerful name. And I believe that you're saying here today, God is my king. There's no doubt you're here on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m., right? God is king, but Elimelech wasn't acting like king. He wasn't acting like God was his king. See, so many of us can shout, God is my king. He's my Lord. He's my savior. And yet we're not living like he's really our God and our savior. This isn't a bad message. I promise. It's okay. It's a good message. I'm going to leave you in a really good place, okay? Be encouraged. Why? Because I'm cheerleading you to get to where God sees you. Because sometimes when you're at a place and you don't feel God, you want to get somewhere where you do and it's not where God sees you. 
So why? Because Elimelech was doing what was right in his own eyes. He didn't know what was about to happen to his family. All he realized is I can't feed my family here. It doesn't feel good in the flesh. I'm fear-driven, so I've got to act in the flesh to get where I can go that would be comfortable. I've been in ministry. Dad, I've almost been ordained for 25 years. I know I'm old, y'all. And I can tell you, smacking the will of God sometimes doesn't look like you're there because it's faith and it's trusting God and it's standing your ground. But when you know God's planted you where you're planted and in the will of God, the blessings will chase you down. Too many of us want to get into comfortableness. We want to get into what makes us feel good and it will wane away if it's not the will of God. There should be no other desire in your life if there's anything except to be in the will of God. Amen. And so we rationalize and, and we think about these things and, and it comes to sometimes to our families and we want to make the little nest eggs and we want to make all the good decisions. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have wisdom for your family, but sometimes when you make economic decisions, you lose the spiritual protection of God. You say, oh, well, I'll move to this state because they make more money there and the housing is cheaper. How many know that's true? You've been living in Arizona, right? You know that's true. But where does God see you? Where, where's the will of God in your life? I had a beautiful young girl come to me years ago now, and she sat in my office, and she said, I feel like I need to move my family to Texas, and I need to make this decision, and I don't know what to do, and it feels, feels good because I'd be taken care of. And, and I said, well, should we pray for the will of God? And she's like, yeah, let's pray for the will of God. And we prayed together. And then we got together again, and God said, stay and trust me. And this girl got a car donated to her. Then she got a better job. And then she got a two-bedroom apartment in a better place. Listen, God will bless you where he sees you. you know, oh, well, that looks cozy. Well, it might be Moab. <sighs> And maybe not. Maybe it's a God thing. I don't want to be all negative. But I'm just saying we better check what the will of God is in our life. Amen. Because you can have more money and less God. You can lose your marriage if you have lots of money. You can have a good marriage and have lots of money too. But if you aren't ready for it, you could lose your marriage over it. I saw people that bought brand new big homes. Their dream was to live in a mountaintop home. That'd be cool. I would love that too. But they lost their marriage over it because they never sat at the dinner table. They never prayed together. They never ate a meal together because they wanted more instead of God's will. You can have a big house and no marriage. <laughs> I'd rather have a cute apartment and my fine man sitting in my couch with me. Watching a cozy Netflix, praying together, coming to church, holding hands, loving Jesus, raising my children in the will of the Lord. Why? Because I want to be in God's will. I can preach this passion because I watched my parents do this over and over and over again. They gave it all away maybe three times. They just did it again to get in the will of God. Because when you're in the will of God, you're blessed and you're favored and there's joy. And yes, there's opposition, but you know God sent you there. You know I'm in Bethlehem and I've got the living bread of Jesus. I've got the life of Jesus that's going to sustain me through the times where I'm in a famine. 
I wouldn't be serving Jesus today if I didn't make it through some famine seasons. But staying in Bethlehem, I've seen some people that got a promotion in another state and big money, and it just looks so good and glamorous. And they said, this is God. And the company said, we'll do this for you, and we'll pay your expenses here and do all of that. And they, this is God. It looks so good. Good isn't always God. I'm just going to tell you. And they did it, and they left and ended up losing it all as soon as they got there. I'm not trying to give a somber story. I'm just trying to share to you the will of God is where the blessing is. And when you're in a famine, when there's unanswered prayer, there's a temptation for Moab. When resources are driving up, there's a temptation for Moab. When you're offended, I want to leave the church because there's a better church across town. Well, guess what? There are. There's some pretty cool churches in the valley. But where does God see you? Where's the will of God for your family? Amen? Be careful not to always prioritize economics over the presence of God. <laughs> Stay in the will of God. Because you know what? If you go over here, I had this conversation multiple times the last two weeks. You go over here and God's like, wait a minute, my blessing's here. Your, your spouse is here. The promotion is here. You're taking a temporary gratification. But if you only knew if you'd hang on a little while longer, my blessings is right here. The will of God. My dad did this message that where God sees you is so good. And you're blessed. Where does God see you? What happens is we want what we want. I want what I want in that moment. And we've all done this. I got all fingers pointed to me. So I'm preaching to myself. Amen. You can't preach something like this that you haven't really walked out yourself. So when times get tough, let me ask you, what do we do? What do you do, better yet? Do we trust in God and obey him, or do we leave and move to Moab? <laughs> we would say that I'm a Christian. I love God. He's the king of my life, and I want to trust and obey God. But what happens? The pressures of the famine season get the best of us. The temporary gratifications. Say, I trust God. He's the king of my life. I love him. I'm not married, but I'm willing to have premarital sex outside of marriage. I can't control. I need that gratification. I need that self-worth. I need that value. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to say there's times where Moab will call you in your time of famine. And you can say you love God, but you better put a fence up between Bethlehem and Moab. And you better get some accountability partners at the fence that says, no, 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 you're not going, girl. You're not going to visit Moab again. Last time it took you out, and we're going to come alongside of you, and we're not going to let you go to Moab again. That's why the church is so important. That's why we need community. That's why I better have some Christian friends ready to fight for me on the other side of the fence. Amen? Don't satisfy the flesh. Our wandering eyes, if you're married, looking and wondering whether pornography or relationships on the job, we're looking at Moab because I'm just not satisfied. I'm a famine in my marriage. I'm a famine in my family. And yet, we want to go to Moab, and little do you know, you're about to lose it all. God is the king of my life. 
I love him. I trust him. I'm giving my 10%. And you're doing that, and I'm so proud of you. But listen, Moab's going to look glamorous now that you decided that. That vacation is going to look really good with that credit card. Ching. I thought credit card was free money. I love this sound. Bring. I knew my code by heart. Now you just have to tap the card. You don't even just tap it. It makes getting easier and easier to spend money. And I'm trying to point out, I got to get that sale item. No, you want to stay out of Moab. You want to stay in the blessed land. Amen. Get offended. I'm going to leave the church. I'm, I'm bored. I'm apathetic. I'm going to go find the pleasures of the world. And Moab is calling your name. When, time get, when times get tough, Moab looks tempting. Like, I would never go to Moab. We do it every day. Let me just tell you. We do it every day for the temporary gratification because we don't like it when we're in the desert, do we? We don't like it when there's a famine. I will kick and scream with the Lord when there's a famine. Your faith is tested. Your valuing God is tested. Your, your self-esteem is definitely going to be challenged. Am I doing something wrong? What's going on? What do I need to change? And God's like, just be still. You're in Bethlehem. I'm the bread of life. I'm here. I never leave you. I never forsake you. Don't run to Moab. Moab did what was honest right in his own eyes. And I'll be honest, some of us, not in this room, those listening online later, go to Moab under far less pressure than probably Elimelech did. Some of it is like our secret resort. <laughs> I was watching this TikTok, and uh, this man who had tattoos all over was talking to another guy with tattoos, and this young man had just gotten saved, born again, and the, the guy interviewing him said, you know, is it hard to serve God from where you came from? And he said, no. He said, it's not hard to serve God. He said, it's not hard to serve the world. He said, what hard, what's hard is when you have one foot in both. He said, because you, you, you don't have the gratification of the world anymore because you're condemned and you're convicted and you don't get the full kingdom principles because you don't feel worthy. So why do I preach this with passion? Because God has a blessed place in Bethlehem, a place where his blessings overflow. So, okay, let's finish the story. What happens? They make this move, and everything worked out great for them. They trusted God. They lived happily ever after. And what happened? Ruth chapter 1. Because that's what we think when we're visiting Moab. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. Plateaus flattened. And she was left with her two sons, and they married Moabite women, the ones they were not supposed to marry. Very important there. They weren't the God of Israel. One's name was Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there 10 years, say 10 years. Mo Listen, Elimelech had died. They remained 10 years. Both sick and tired died. <laughs> Melon and Kilian, they died. And Naon was left in, Naomi was left in Bethlehem, the left, I'm sorry, in Moab, the place that she left in Moab without her husband and her two sons. See, when you visit Moab, you'll be left without. And all of us have visited Moab before, so you know what I'm talking about. Elimelech dies, we don't know how, but he's left, in, left Naomi's left in a really bad place. Now, I want you to put that map up again because they were 50 miles away. Naomi 
was only 50 miles away in Moab to get back to Bethlehem. That's it. But yet she remained in Moab for 10 more years. How many of us remain in a place that we're not supposed to be? It was a 12-mile hour walk back to get back to the blessings of God. A short sacrifice, a short journey. When you're coming out of Moab and some things you got to lay down and trust God, there will be a little sacrifice, but you're finding your way back to the blessings of God. But yet she stayed there for 10 more years in Moab. What happens when we remain, we can run into the wrong people in our life. I want to speak to the single people here today because I'm single. And I understand that sometimes there's some good-looking people in Moab. I'm just saying. (laughs) There's some tall, hot men in Moab. There's some good-looking girls in Moab. We're not going to lie, right? The devil's not going to put things in front of you that wouldn't be tempting to you. And the enemy is going to put people in front of you, but God wants you to have boundaries as a single person. 2 Corinthians says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And you're like, Pastor Barb, God's such a party pooper. He's putting out my parties, putting out my game. And God says, no, I'm not. I'm protecting you. Because he doesn't want you to be unequally yoked to people who don't carry the vision and the heart of God and the kingdom of God. Because I'm going to tell you, that cuteness will wear off the first time that man don't know how to pray for your children. That good-looking girl will wear off when she doesn't want to tithe and serve in the kingdom of God. You want to run together in this race of faith. You want to know you have a partner that can pray you through, that can encourage you. When you want to go to Moab, they're like, no way, sister. We're staying in Bethlehem. And then he's going to want to go, and then she'll balance you. You want an equal partner to the kingdom of God. And if you have to wait in a um, famine, then you wait in the famine. You're like, I'm getting like, Jesus. You're like, Don't you see the time, God? It doesn't matter the time. Don't go to Moab. Moab will bring destruction. Moab will bring, who's the girl that took Samson down? Delilah's. (laughs) I've seen it happen. Wrong friendships, not just maybe relationships, but wrong friendships are in Moab. There's some people you need to cut off in this season of your life. If they can't speak life and hope and faith and align with the word of God, you don't have to not like them, but I'm not going to go to Moab with you. I'm going to stay right here in Bethlehem. I'm going to stick with the word of God. It's not popular. It's not going to make me famous, but I'm going to stay true to the word of God. We need community. Why did they leave Bethlehem to begin with? Because they could have died. And what happened anyway? Three of them died anyway. I'd rather stay in the will of God and trust God than go to a place where the enemy can maybe destroy my family, destroy my joy, and knock me right out of the pocket for the will of God. The most important thing, and I keep saying this, but is the will of God. I was talking with a sweet young man this week, and I said, you know, and I've learned this. I was mentored this way, is you take the will of God and you put it on the altar of sacrifice. Abraham took his son, and he was willing to say, God, if you want him, you can have him. Not what he wanted. He wanted his son. There's some things that you may want. Put it on the altar and test it to God. 
God may have a ram in the bush, hallelujah, and say, nope, you can keep that thing. I just wanted to know you'd give it to me. I just wanted you to know I would be Lord of all and not you. I want to know I'm in control and not you. Some things just are tests. And there's some things that's like, yeah, put the knife in that sucker. Put it in. Turn it around. Make sure it's good and dead. Don't resurrect it later. And look over. There'll be a ram in the bush. God says, you thought you were blessed here? Look out. Because you're about to be blessed, favored, promoted, children saved, marriage restored, kingdom building. God says, there's blessings where I see you. The most awesome thing that we see here, and I have a few minutes left, is the story of Ruth. And this is where the story really begins. We have three widows with no homes, no money, and no hope. And Naomi decides to tell her children, her girls this, listen, y'all go away. Told her two daughters, Orpha and Naomi, Naomi, Ruth, go away. Go back to your family. I have no more sons. I can't take care of you. But what does Naomi decide to do, which changes the whole course of Ruth's life and her life? She returns back to Bethlehem. She left Moab. And she decided after 10 years was enough for her, she returned back to the land of the bread of life where the favor of God was. And what do we see? We see God's grace enter the story. And this is our hope today. Some of us may have landed in Moab, but we have God's grace. We have God's grace that says, I'm going to get you back to Bethlehem. I'm going to give you more than what you lost because that's the God that I am. And so these women had a talk, and Ruth said this, I'm going to go with you, Naomi. And in verse 16, she speaks the most famous verse that we hear at weddings or events like this. And she said to Naomi, Ruth replied, verse 16, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. And the first part of that verse is she's giving a loyalty to Naomi to follow the will of God. But the biggest part of this story is what she continued to say. She said, your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. She was a Moabite. She worshiped idols. It was fornication and incest and perversion in this nation. And she said, I'm not going back. I have to follow your God. I have to see what God has ahead of me. There may be nothing in front of me, but I'm going to follow you and your God, Naomi. There's sometimes you follow God and there's no promises ahead. There's no guarantee. How many has been serving God five years? You know there's no guarantee in the future. You know that sometimes you just got to follow what God says. But what we see in this um, story, and you can put that final screen up for me, is that Naomi, Ruth repented. You see salvation here. Not, not official, God forgive me of my sins, but she left Moab. She left the place of sin. And she said, I'm going to get back to the house of the Lord. And that word repent means this. Re means turn you got to turn from Moab. Too many of us are facing Moab, and we're wondering why the blessings of God are not in our life. We're facing disappointment. We're facing rejection. We're facing failure. And God's like, re, and the word pet means go back to the high places. Go back to Bethlehem. Go back to where the blessings are. And if you look at this part of facing Bethlehem, it means your back has to be to Moab. No longer am I looking at Moab. I'm not looking at the gratification of my flesh. The Bible says my life is not my own. I didn't even read the scripture verse. 
It was so tiny. I'm going to go back to it, though. Matthew 6, 25. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Your life is not your own. You're a living sacrifice. Why? Because God's trying to be mean. He's like, no, because I have blessings over here. I have favor over here. Lose your life. Put it on the altar of sacrifice. And watch God will blow your mind. Where you're at today, you won't be anywhere near when you do what God wants you to do. Return from the lowest place in Moab and go back to the highest calling of God. One of the most highlights of this truth is to get to the right place, you have to be willing to leave the wrong place. <clears throat> you have to be willing to walk away. You got to walk away. Walk away from places that are not his will. If you want to marry the right person, walk away from the wrong one. If you want to be, marry a woman of God, become a man of God. Am I facing the right way? They don't even have my sign up. I don't even think I'm facing the right way. Thank you, Mom. Moab's over here. If you want to marry the right person, break up with the wrong one. Do over. If you want your purpose and destiny, serve God. Read the word of God. Be willing to sacrifice. Stop practicing sin in Moab. Get to Bethlehem, hallelujah. <laughs> you get my point. You want to not have bad finances, start tithing. Start getting resources. Meet with a mentor to help you understand the principles, people that are far ahead of you. Listen, Ruth made one decision. This is so powerful. I'm going to tie it with a bow. Are you ready? Thanks, Mom. She made one decision to turn her back on Moab and go back to God in Bethlehem. One decision of repentance, one choice. Listen, she changed her life forever. Guess what? She met Boaz, who was the wealthiest man in the nation. She didn't meet Boaz in Moab, Moab whatever. She met Boaz in Bethlehem, tilling the ground, serving in God's house. I want to I read this so bad. I'm going to read it. Some of you might know where I'm going. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> to all the girls who are in a hurry to have a boyfriend or get married, a piece of biblical advice. Ruth patiently waited for her mate Boaz. While you are waiting for your Boaz, don't settle for any of his relatives. <laughs> Broke as, pull as, lion as, <laughs> cheating as, dumb as. Okay, we're done right there. I feel like we need an altar call. It's like... Like, lazy ass did it for me. Like, good for nothing ass. I mean, okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Go back to the word. She met Boaz. God's like, in Bethlehem, I'm going to give you a rich man who is known in the city, who the elders come and glean from his wisdom. Listen, there's something so unexpected in Bethlehem, it's going to blow your mind. But more than that, it changed her life. It changed legacies, but it changed the course of the world. Why? Because out of the lineage of Boaz and Ruth, we have Obed that had Jesse, that had David, that was in the lineage of Joseph, which was the father of Jesus. One woman left 
Moab and went to Bethlehem and changed the course of the world forever. I want to encourage you with this this morning. There is no loss God cannot redeem. No hardship that he can't see you through. And there's no sin that can't be forgiven. You have to see grace applied in Moab. I'm going to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit right now. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Because it's such a crucial moment in this message. I, I didn't bring it just to have some good shouts. I brought it because I feel like God wants to challenge our hearts today. And some of these were extreme measures. I get that. But I wonder if there's some part of our life that's still in Moab. may not be the extremism, but maybe our one leg is there. Maybe we're apathetic. Apathy. Apathetic sounds bad, but apathy. Maybe we've lost our purpose and our calling. Maybe we're just discouraged, and so we're kind of just playing over here in our emotions. Is there some area of our life where we're saying, you're my God, my king, but I'm still doing what's right in my own eyes? We need the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Amen. We need the conviction of God in our life to lead us back into everlasting life. The thing that's hurting you, and I feel this so strong, there's things that are hurting you in Moab, and you don't even realize that it happened here. And you're so disappointed and so overwhelmed. And, and God's just saying, just pick up today. Just pick up and go back into faith. Go back to Bethlehem. Get back into my word. Get back into worship. Find prayer. We offer Rooted here. I wish we had 50 people signed up tonight for Rooted. We have a good amount. But I'm just saying we have a community where you don't have to live in Moab alone. We want to get you to Bethlehem. We have Celebrate Freedom that will bring you back to life and talk about the things in Moab. Talk about the trials. One message isn't going to get you out of Moab. It, it'll pop, prime the pump, but you need community that can help you walk through this so that you're not alone. Or We've got pastors and elders and leaders, myself, who are here to help grab your hands to help you get out of Moab. But we have to be willing to make that decision. We have to realize that we need to make the decision. Because I think the biggest person we lie to is ourselves. I'm good. I'm okay. I'll figure it out. Right? I believe you're one decision away from changing your life and your legacy forever. Maybe it's just apologizing to someone and releasing forgiveness to someone. Maybe there's a breakup you need to do. Maybe you need to move out. Maybe you need to block the phone. Maybe you need to get in one of the classes. Give more. But I believe every one of us this morning have something we can surrender back to God or surrender someone to God. Maybe some of us this morning just need repentance. Just like, God, I've just kind of wandered away. I, I just got bored and left Bethlehem, and I, I'm not at Moab yet, but I'm pretty close. You know, the Dead Sea was right between the two. It stinks on this side. I'm going to ask you today to pick up your calling. Pick up your purpose. Pick up the will of God in your life. Amen? Don't carry the condemnation of Moab, but pick up where God sees you. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet this morning. And I'm going to ask us to do something. 
I'm going to have you flood the altars and come forward today. Because I believe there is an anointing in motion. There's an anointing of your faith. You can just start coming right now. Everybody come because every one of us needs this prayer, amen. Just flood this altar as close as you can get. As close as you can get. Because we want to pray the prayer of faith over you. We want to pray the, pray the, the prayer of hope over you today. Just come on in all the way in. Squeeze in. Just get as close as you can. close as you can. Let everybody get in that can. And I know that God has something so special for this house and also something special for your house. And the reason why I felt so prompted by the Lord to open up the altars is because God wants you to acknowledge his altars. There is something spiritual about the altar. And we can get so comfortable with just how we do church that we forget the moment and the power of an altar. Everywhere I was thinking this morning as I was praying for service, everywhere the children of Israel would go and they had a God encounter, they left altars for those behind them to find them and know the goodness and the power of God. And yet the churches get away from the altars. Where's the next generation gonna see the power of God if we forget his altars? Faith is stirring in you now. Hope is stirring in you now. Dreams are being activated in you now. God is restoring some things back to you right here and in this moment. And if you pray in the Holy Spirit, I want you to start praying in the Holy Spirit right now. Just begin to activate the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. We're going to stir up faith. Only takes a couple minutes for God to move. We don't need to do this forever, but I'm telling you, God wants to connect your faith to the Holy Spirit. And if you don't pray in the Holy Spirit and the evidence of speaking in tongues, I want you to lift your hands and we're going to pray over you right now for your own prayer language. Anybody hear this? morning. Thank you for this family. Pastor Paul, will you get around this family? Anyone else that needs to pray in the Holy Spirit this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Someone over here. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. There's pray in the Spirit. Activate your faith. If you don't pray in the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, fill me right now. Fill me with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And I want you just to begin to pray the prayer of the Holy Spirit. As you're praying, I want you to see faith activated. I want you to see passion. I want you to see the fire of God, the anointing of God, dreams coming alive. Alive, desires coming alive, passion for God's word, passion for his house in the name of Jesus. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we are walking away from Moab. We are walking away from disappointments. We are walking away from the places that need to die, God. And we're going to cross over into Bethlehem, God. Bring them to their dreams. Bring them to their desires and their passions, unfulfilled visions unfulfilled prophecies God I pray in the name of Jesus that there be an anointing in their motion and in their movement God awaken how you can awaken God stir them in the way only you can stir them in the name of Jesus Father God maybe you need to repent just tell the Lord repent of your sin ask him to forgive you repent of, of your compromise repent of maybe not reading your word in a relationship 
relationship with the Father. Just make it right with Him between you and the Lord right now. This is between you and Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I see some business opportunities open up. I see some of you want to start businesses. Creativity is being released right now. Reach up and receive that if that's yours. If you need a financial blessing in the name of Jesus, reach up for it. Blessings and favor, financial increase, business opportunities, God. Open doors, favor in the name of Jesus. God, we call in kingdom mates in the name of Jesus, men and women of God to come, Father God, to join with other men and women of God. Let this be their year of no lack, no limitation in the name of Jesus. Fulfill desires, fulfill dreams. In the name of Jesus. Some of you need to go home and anoint your homes. Drive out every enemy. Drive out every confusion. Drive out every resistance. And invite the Holy Spirit in with anointing and power in your house. Anoint your children's beds. That they will dream the things of heaven. That they will come back to the Lord in the name of Jesus. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you lead them. You speak to them this week, God. You trouble their hearts for the things that trouble you, God. Lord, we can't convict of sin, but Lord, your Holy Spirit does. Lord, not just sin, but lead them to the blessed place. Lead them back to joy and peace and, and blessings in their life. God, restore joy. I just see the big word joy is coming back to you. Joy. God's going to fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouts of praise. It's a season of joy and laughter and expectation. Hallelujah. We release that now. Name it, Jesus. I'm going to do one more thing. If you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, we want to make sure you leave here knowing Jesus. Amen. So I want everybody to pray. Now, it's not just the prayer, but it's your heart saying, I need a Savior. I need a Redeemer. And I receive what He has for me. So I want all of us to come into agreement right now. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you, forgive me of my sin and apathy and staying in Moab. But I receive your grace and your mercy that follows me every day, that's leading me back to Bethlehem, full of your blessings and your favor and intimacy with you. Thank you for forgiving me. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. Give the Lord a great big shout this morning. Shout like you got it. Shout like you receive it. Shout like it's here. Hallelujah! Woo! We're going to Bethlehem, Jesus! Woo, woo, woo! Praise the Lord. Huh? Okay, well, I tell you, Pastor Paul's like, you can just go. Okay, listen, women's Bible study, midweek Bible study, Rooted is tonight if you want to join and come and be a part of that. I love you all. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Amen. You're dismissed.